you want to intro? You want me to intro? Come on now, you know. In the 2008 WNBA Draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candace Parker. With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA Draft, the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of rebel edition this week it's just me and carissa holding it down for our second week show later in the week got a few things to talk about carissa what's going on nothing much i'm just chilling yeah yeah about the same about the same Uh, middle of the week trying to make it through the grind right yeah two more days two more days that's all we got got some news coming out the w this week we'll start there We'll talk about the flights that have been setting the world on fire. Howard Megdahl, Medgod, the G and the D always flip around. I can't remember which way they go. Howard from the next and also Sports Illustrated and like 530 80s all over the place broke a story that the Liberty were fined $500,000 for chartering flights for players last year. And it, kind of set the W world on fire. They were trending for not the best of reasons, but here we are. It's the kind of conversations that lead advancement. The W is a little bit behind in that regard, in my opinion, but we'll get into that a little later. Uh, Crystal, what you got on that? You got any thoughts on that? Yeah. I want to point out that it was 500,000 down from 1 million. Yeah. <laughs> so they appealed it. So the W did find them 1 million, which is, I mean, 5,000, 500,000 is crazy. To find them at all is crazy, but 1 million? Yeah, and what's crazy to think about is that's pocket change for Joe Sy and his ownership <laughs> group. So they were just kind of like, you know what? I want to treat my players like they should be treated. I don't care what y'all say. We're just going to keep doing it. And that's exactly what they did. They flew them to Napa. They flew them to games. They kind of had them all over the place. It was more like what you want to see from a team and kind of where you want to see the W go. But due to the language of the CBA, it's not technically allowed yet. I say yet because this could be a domino that pushes that either into the next CBA in, in 28, or it could be amended as soon as 25. So we'll see how that goes. But they were also threatening to terminate franchise, take away draft picks. They were going to come heavy-handed on this, and I think that's very interesting because that would have been really unprecedented in the W. Yeah, it it would have been the wrong move. I mean, right now it's the wrong move. Like, you have players, not just from the Liberty, but all over the W, speaking about it, like, is we're not moving in the right direction. Like you have Nalissa Smith, who is projected to be either the number one, or number two, 
wanting to stay in college, not looking forward to the professional experience because they're on chartered flights now in college and they're moving to what economy? (laughs) Yeah. It's a step down from college to the pros, which is unlike any other mainstream league in, in the nation. So I think it's a very, very backwards. Like you said, it, and it gets the W trending in ways that it shouldn't be trending, which tends to be a uh, an unfortunate kind of chain of events. It seems like that happens a little more often than we would like to see. But it, it kind of came about when, if I remember, if I understood it correctly, pardon me, if I understood it correctly, someone was checking the books, the money, and they noticed that the money wasn't adding up. <laughs> Right. Is is that what you understood as well? Yeah, that's what I that's how I understood. Like, that's how I read it. But. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I know, like, Sabrina made a TikTok about when they were in Napa, like, can your owner do this? Well, no. And yours technically can't either. But they did. Um, and so it was it was kind of a mess. But like you said, a lot of the players across the league and it, on the Liberty were reacting in more negative you know context and definitely isn't a great look but there was also a few jokes here and there I saw Jasmine Jones talking about yeah that happened we had a great time though (laughs) Um, so it it was definitely definitely an interesting development it kind of dropped randomly on a Tuesday we were a day behind normally it's Monday but this was a Tuesday and there's a lot to it I know some people are kind of viewing it as well if you want to treat your players right it's only going to cost you five hundred thousand dollars um which like i said to some of these owners are is pocket change but it also kind of bounces back to the w and and being for such a progressive league it's also very archaic in a way that it's like okay we want to we want equality for women but not like this or mm-hmm. we, we want these athletes to be treated top of the line, but not like this. And that bounces back and shows shines a, shines a bad light on the league, which was in a it's not in a bad place, but it's been in a really really high spot compared to normal. And it's it's kind of contradictory for Kathy Engelbert to say we're experiencing really good financial gains in the league, and then this happens. Yeah, it's like I always feel like we, you know, take three steps forward and then four steps back or something like that. Like, it's always something with us. <laughs> like you yeah. said, we're always trending for good things. And then a few weeks later, it's like you have literally Gabrielle Union tweeting for what? Like, what are we doing here? You have uh, Naomi Osaka tweeting like, this is crazy. Like, why are they being fine? So you have other people speaking out, other athletes, other big names, other celebrities are looking at us like this is, you know, the best league in the world and they're not being treated as such. And it kind of comes into like, I get why people might think it's unfair. And it is just because an owner can afford it there. At the end of the day, there there's rules. Right. And it, it, some people interpret it as that it may give a competitive advantage to the teams with the deeper pockets, which is, which is fair. But someone pointed out that in the games that the Liberty reportedly chartered to, they went to an 11. Like 
I don't know if there's really that much competitive advantage. Uh, but I think it would mainly you would mainly see the effects of that on like free agency market. If you know Mark Davis is willing to throw a bag at you as a player, not necessarily in a contract form, but he'll treat you right. Like that's going to give a leg up. And I know I saw people talking about the sky in particular, how the sky owners have also wanted to make these type of moves, but they don't have as much money as Josiah, Mark Davis, or even the guy in Atlanta, whose name I can't remember right now. He's very well off. And so it's like, yeah, we want to kind of keep it level, but also at the same time, the CBA has like language in it that says that this, these flights vastly exceed the allowable compensation to players. And I find that to be very interesting language in a professional league, because why is there a limit? Like, yeah. It's very strange. So, but yeah, do you have any, any other thoughts on, the flights and the planes and the latest hot topic in W Twitter. Uh, I mean, I'm just hoping for um, an amendment in 2025. Yeah, I think we all are. And one one of the most interesting things I saw was how the article showed the different viewpoints of the different owners. It said for some owners, the WNBA team has been a place to park losses elsewhere in their corporations. Some view it as pure charity. One owner proudly proclaims the value of a WNBA team to be zero, according to multiple league sources, and thus all he spends on the team is effectively a contribution towards the greater goods of women's sports. Others have invested consistently into their teams, turning about half of them into consistent profit makers. Hmm. What I think we're seeing is kind of a, a how do I put this, a a clashing point between the older school owners and the newer school owners right now. And I think that ultimately it'll be on the players to put the pressure back on them because they also said in this piece that some owners were opposed to upping the flights because they thought the players would get used to it. And to me, that's, that's the type of language you can't have in a professional league because That's the whole point, right? You want your players to get used to the best. You want them to have the best. So if you're in a place as a league where you can charter flights for them to every game and secure reliable, comfortable transportation, why would you not want to do that? And I think that's the type of mindset that the W does not need, but unfortunately still faces. Yeah. And then obviously we have the, the cash infusion that's coming around, you know, how are they going to use that? This, this poses back to that. There, there's a lot of questions that arise from this that were already kind of there, but now they're even more in the forefront and the center of everything in the W. So I'm curious to see how that affects this, not even just this upcoming season, but the next couple of seasons as they move towards, you know, the ability to amend and also just, you know, being a very, a very vocal league. Yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting development, but and then the other thing we were going to talk about was the final week of Athletes Unlimited League. It wrapped up last week. The overall points leader, I guess you could call it the MVP, was Tiana Hawkins of formerly of the Atlanta Dream, now of the Washington Mystics. 
She had a total of 6,831 points in their scoring system. <laughs> Crazy. Which was 912 more than second place, Natasha Cloud. Yeah. Izzy Harrison and Lexi Brown rounded out the top four. They all received medals for that. When you hear that top four and you think back to where you were coming into the league, how many of those would you have gotten right in your preseason predictions? Who, who was third? Izzy Harrison. And then Lexi was four. Two out of three. Okay. Would you have picked Tiana Hawkins as your winner? I wouldn't have. Uh, Izzy, Izzy, and Natasha. I, I pegged Natasha, too. I thought she was going to run away with it. I mean, she was right there, but yeah. Tiana caught fire that second week and did not look Didn't back, back. <laughs> at all. Um, it was It was really fun to watch. I watched it every week pretty heavily. I, I enjoyed the league. And I've talked to some people that were there and they talked about how different of an experience it was and that it was very player centric. The players were treated very, very well. Pretty much anything they wanted, they got. But also it was very fan centric. It was a little smaller, a little more personal. But like after every game, players were in the crowd, chilling with their family, talking to fans, taking photos. You saw the photos of the players with the little girl that was there. Like, yeah, so it was, it was just a very, very good experience from what I hear across the board of raving reviews from both fans and players. Well, what did you think about the league as a whole this year? For not even for it to be its first, first year, first season. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Like it lived up to everything that it said it would plus more. Um, but I guess we should have known just the volleyball is great. The softball is great. So just um, athletes unlimited as a whole is really, you know, somewhere, another, another place to go besides overseas. And, you know, just what it's done in five weeks, like getting people, you know, training camp contracts, letting people work on their game. Um, what else? Just like the interviews highlight her as well as like the YouTube channel of for athletes unlimited putting those videos out there, like letting us know people, know players like on a personal level, like hearing everybody's story and not just everyone that you see when you turn on the TV or think of the W, just people that might fall back in the background. Right. They, they really knocked it out of the park in every aspect. And, you know, you touched on their other sports. They've got a model in place that has been tried and true and has been effective for multiple years across multiple sports. And now they're bringing it to, basketball and you can tell that they've thought this out but also tested it through their other sports and they've got a really good thing in place and I would expect sooner or later like the teams start growing maybe next year we have six eight you Mm -hmm. know and and one of the things that I noticed about it you're talking about all the social media and and you know posting content quickly I thought they did a great job posting things quickly but also with quality Mm-hmm. which is something that we don't always get from the W side. I, I think one thing that I noticed about it was that the W never interacted with anything from AU. They never mentioned AU. Um, and, and I feel like with the amount of players from the W that were over there, I feel like that was probably something that should have happened. I feel like that's a missed opportunity from the two leagues, but AU and multiple people there were like, we're not here to compete with the W. We're here to be a 
a joint effort to to give these women these opportunities alongside the W. And I think that's very important going forward for these athletes to be able to stay home and grow their brands here is is huge, like you said. So I mean, there was just a lot to it. All all the all the social media was great. You touched on the highlight her, I highlighted them as well. Because Ari knocked that out of the park, which we all knew was going to happen. But those interviews were great, getting to know the athletes better. And then you touched on the signings. We got, I think, five, unless I missed a few, but Kalani Brown and Sid Colson signed with Vegas. Mm-hmm. Taj Cole with Connecticut. Yep. Lauren Manis went to Seattle. And Mimi Jackson signed with Washington. Yeah. Lady Wall for life. Yeah. Yeah, I see you. So, so you know, not only that, but I of those players, of those players, I'm not going to say they wouldn't have had a chance, but this definitely was a better chance than they would have had, I, I would say. Um, just the visibility and the level of competition, I think it was a better way for teams to gauge where they were. And it, it worked out because they're all on – even if it's just a training camp deal, like they're all getting the opportunity to get back into the elitist league. I said elitist, the most elite league in the United States, in the world. Yeah. So I think that's really cool to see that pay off. And then on top of that, you know, we didn't even touch on how everybody was playing for a different cause, different activism. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. They planted 10 trees for every three pointer that was made. And there was a lot of three pointers. So that like just I mean they really just knocked everything out the park, did it perfectly. Yeah. And then they even gave away awards. Any of the awards surprise you? Um no, I don't I don't know like the awards off the top of my head. So Izzy Harrison won defensive player. Okay, no. CC Andrews won the sportsmanship award. Okay. And then the all defensive team was Nikki Green. DJ A. Carrington, Lexi Brown, Lauren Maddis, and Izzy Harrison. No, not at all. Especially not uh, DJ A. Carrington. Like, she was everywhere. Yeah. yeah. She And I thought of all the players that were already on W rosters, I thought she may have had the most impactful showing for her season upcoming. 100%. Uh, you know, we had seen her overseas hooping, putting up points, putting up buckets, getting a lot of recognition. But then she came back over here and kept going, topped it off with a what, like 41 point game. And coming out of her rookie year, the biggest question was, can she develop into a consistent offensive option? I, obviously, we haven't seen it in the W yet, but right now I'm feeling pretty confident that she can do that. Right. And then obviously Tasha Nay was a ton of fun. Like the, the entire league was just—I hate to sound like a kill, but it was just a vibe. Like every everything about it was a vibe. Absolutely, like literally the on-court interviews. Like literally the game is going on, and we're talking to players. Like they did an absolutely phenomenal job with that. Like we felt like we were in the game, and both of us are nowhere near Vegas. Right. Shout out to C. Michael for me right there in the huddle and everything. And, <laughs> yes. And, you know, she always picked a player who 
would give you great responses while simultaneously coaching. So you're sitting there, it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we get out and train, and then they just start screaming. And then like, oh yeah, yeah, we got to get out of transition and finish layups. Oh, that's right. And what? Like it was, it was incredible. I mean, they really, they really put out a product that for me, not knowing anything about AU coming into it, like I'm now going to be paying attention to their other leagues as well. Yes. Because they, they really, really hit it on the head. So you know, that that was fun. I wish it was a little longer. Mm-hmm. Five weeks is not quite as long as we would like. But like I said, maybe, maybe in the future. I don't know. Do they do all their leagues five weeks? I'm not sure. Um, but it, it was definitely something fun to do in the W offseason, especially. For sure. I really like, um, I forgot what they called them, but like the coaches, but they weren't coaches, you know? facilitators is what yes, they were called. Facilitators. Yeah. And then we'll get, you know, there's even some storylines with the facilitators like Pokey Chatton is now going back to the W and coaching. Mm-hmm. And also I'm curious to see, and to your point about that, like how does the experience of being a captain transition over to the W for a player like Alexi Brown or an Isabel Harrison or Dijanae, or I mean, we knew we knew Natasha was like the championship caliber yeah, point guard, yeah. so she has a leg up. But you know, for some of these other players who, and they spoke about this, picking players, leading a practice, and leading a team, but also drawing up plays, choosing when to sub, calling timeouts. Like, it's a very unique experience that I can't see having any type of detrimental effect. Only positives in the W. Oh, for sure. Like, all they did was make them see the game better, differently. Like, they can only use everything that they gained, like, over these last five weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the biggest question marks coming out of it that's left, and, you know, I'm going to pass this to you because this is your team. Where's Lexi Brown going? I don't think it's to the sky. I I don't think it's back to Chicago. You know, it don't sound like it. She's talking about some, I'm not welcome. They only have like 71K. She's still got the qualified offer, but floating around. Yeah, I don't think she's going to take it. And I mean, she shouldn't. I mean, she she finished fourth in AU. I mean, explore what's out there. Like if Chicago isn't giving you what, what you want, what you think you deserve, then, you know, by all means, go get that. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with betting on yourself and knowing your own worth. And but also she's backing it up on, albeit the AU court, and maybe we're we're gonna see how some of these W teams value that experience. We've seen them, we've seen them sign a few, you know, un, I won't say unproven, but less experienced W players. But Lexi just came off a championship run, and you know showed like, okay, I was a end of bench player for this team, but this is what I can do given a role. And maybe a team will will take that chance. I don't know which teams could afford to at this moment. But I still think it's something to look out for. And I think that she is definitely good enough to remain in the W and she'll be there. But is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get out of here? I don't know. I think you were a good host, Corey. I'm trying to be like Corey, doing whatever I can do. <laughs> if 
if I wake up in a day and I do anything like Corey, I'm doing something right. Just don't be like a kill and you're fine. <laughs> no, I could never. I could never. I would have to go out of my way to be like a kill. I would have to say, you know what? I'm going to wake up and put my kill hat on. Don't want to do that. But if that's all for you, that's all for me. And we'll wrap up this week's second episode of Rebel Edition. But, uh, you know, follow us. Thanks for Thanks for listening.